Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Yes, love them so much. I am excited. Palm Sunday today, Sunday, March 28th. Um, I got a cracker of a message for you, as Pastor Matt would say. Um, we're going to start in John 12, if you guys have your Bibles. John 12, and we're going to share around the story of when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And this is a significant story because when Jesus went into Jerusalem, he was entering in as a king. He had a royal entry. And this is significant because it's fulfilling a lot of prophecies to the Jewish people that were prophesied years and years before. And he was actually, what they didn't realize is he was coming in to eventually die, which would then make him rise again and make, make us have a relationship with him. So this is a very significant moment when he is coming in to Jerusalem. And it starts in John 12, um, starting in verse 9, it says this. When the word got out that Jesus was not far from Jerusalem, a large crowd came out to see him. And they also wanted to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. I think it's kind of interesting that they wanted to see the man that was raised from the dead and Jesus is about to die and is going to raise cool symbolism. Verse 10, the pro this prompted the chief priests and the Pharisees to seal their plans and to do away with both Jesus and Lazarus. For his miracle testimony was irrefutable and was persuading many of the Jews living in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd gathered for the feast. So they took palm branches. This is a sign of royalty, putting palm branches and coats down before someone riding into a town. It's, a, it's honor, honoring royalty. So they took palm branches, lost my place, and went out to meet him. Everyone was shouting, Lord, be our Savior, or in other uh, translations, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes to us, sent from Yahweh, and the king of Israel. Then Jesus found a young donkey and rode it to fulfill what was prophesied. This is the prophecy here in verse 15. People of Zion, have no fear. Look, it is your king coming, riding to you on a young donkey. Verse 16, it says, Now Jesus' disciples did not fully understand the importance of what was taking place. But after he was raised and exalted to, into glory, in other words, after he died and was rose, rose again, they understood how Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies and the scriptures that were written about him. So powerful. Verse 17, all of the eyewitnesses of the miracle of Jesus performed when, uh, sorry, all of the eyewitnesses of the miracle Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, kept spreading the news about Jesus to everyone. The news of the miracle of the resurrection caused crowds to swell as great numbers of people welcomed him into the city with joy. And last, lastly, in verse 19, but the Pharisees were disturbed by this and said to each other, we won't be able to stop this. The whole world is going to run after him. I love the way that ends. That the Pharisees were afraid seeing that the whole world was going to run after Jesus. And that's what we're doing here today as a church. 
we are running after Jesus. When we meet here, it's no small thing. What we're doing is we are running after Jesus. And the enemy is saying, oh no. You know, the enemy is saying exactly what the Pharisees said. The whole, we won't be able to stop this. He can't stop this. The whole world is going to run after him. And that's true today. As true as it was back then, that's true today. The whole world is going to run after him. Today, I want to preach a message. If you want a title, I encourage you to take notes. And we don't just encourage you to take notes so that you write something down. I really believe that when you take notes, you can come back to those notes in the future and they'll start to speak to you. You might not be going through something today, but this message could speak to you a week from now, a year from now. So I want to encourage you to take notes if you don't. The title of this message is this, Just Hold On. Just Hold On. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We put you first right now, God. We say, where we have fallen short, God, you are greater, and we thank you for that. We thank you for how you're moving in this church. We thank you for Palm Sunday. We thank you for Good Friday, all of the salvation, great things ahead of us in this season, Jesus. We pray that in and through it all is your name, Jesus. Lord, we get out of the way and we let you use us, God, for this season, for your salvation, for your call, Lord, in this city. We love you so much. We cannot wait to see what you're going to do. Right now, we pray for Colonial Kids as well as they are back there praising Jesus. And we say, have your way, Lord. I pray that uh, dreams are birthed in hearts today in these kids, Lord. And we just pray that they are lifted up and built up today. And we love you so much. Speak boldly today through this word, Jesus. Use my words to be your words. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you guys ever had a uh, dream before that is so vivid, it's almost like it was real until you wake up? I have one of those dreams, actually, November 2015. I don't remember the exact date, but I do remember it was in November of 2015. And at the time, Liz and I were in Charleston, South Carolina, where we lived. And we lived in this really small house in the downtown area, and it was a really rough area. And our bed was right up against the road, like a window right up against the road. And so there's people walking by all the time, things happening. Like we've witnessed drug deals. We've witnessed like people yelling at each other. It was just like a bad place to be. And we were right there in the middle of it. And we slept right on the road. It was probably not the smartest decision, but that's where we were at that time in our life. But anyway... We went on, and uh, there's this one night, like, we would regularly get woken up in the middle of the night by everything that was going on in the street. And we had this guy that lived right above us named George. And he's, like, probably 300 pounds, massive built dude, like, was just a thick man, like, like Pastor Matt said about the boys. Like, I mean, they're huge huge, right? Like, you don't want to be on his bad side. He used to be a Marine, and he would all the time yell at the people on the street from the balcony up above us, and just, like, scream at him at four in the morning. So we'd wake up, like, startled. So November 2015, I remember just waking up startled in the middle of the night, expecting to hear George's voice booming down at the people all around. But what I actually started to realize is God was speaking to me, and I started to hear God speak to me, and he said, I am preparing you for a move. And then he reminded me of the dream I just had, this super vivid dream. And this dream was wild. It was really kind of weird, like dreams are most of the time. But there was a ball of surgical tubing um, that was just all knotted up. And there's frayed ends sticking out everywhere. And it was just really ugly and nasty. It looked like it had been used for years. And he had it in his hands. And everything inside of me wanted him to just put it in the trash can. 
just to throw it away. But what he did is he started to take the ends of the surgical tubing and tie them together and tuck them in until it was made complete. And then he set it down to the side and he pulled out three strands of brand new surgical tubing. And he said, this is the new that I have for you. And from that moment on, I knew that God was calling us to something new, that he was calling us somewhere else. And little did I know that was St. Augustine, Florida. But we woke up in the morning and I told Liz all about it and we started looking for places to move. We went to Atlanta and we stayed with some friends and saw that was a place we could move, New York, LA. We talked about going back to Sydney, we North Carolina, Charlotte, everywhere. But nothing was where God wanted us to be. All the doors were closed. And what happened was, is we entered into this season of two years where we knew that we were gonna move, but the move didn't happen yet. And there was this really difficult season. If I'm being honest with you, it was the hardest season of my entire life. I think of our life. The things that we dealt with, I don't think that we'll ever deal with ever again. We dealt with sickness, family issues, death, depression, loss of friends, sin. And the one thing I wanted to do in that moment was to take that season of my life and put it in the trash can and just move on. But the thing is, is God was working in it. And I think so often we find ourselves in these situations where we hear God in a moment and we're on the mountaintop. It's this high moment. Everything seems so clear, right? But then just a short time later, we're questioning everything. It's like we have all these questions. God, where are you? You said we're going to move, but now all of a sudden we're not moving. Like this is hard. Where are you? Did I actually hear from God or was that just me? Right? We have these questions that come in and you see this actually with the crowd that was leading that charge with Hosanna back in this passage. The people in the passage that we're reading here, they were expecting one thing. What they were expecting was a physical king. They were expecting Jesus to come in and take physical rule in Jerusalem and for Israel. But what they started to realize is they were getting something different. And they're in this situation where when they're shouting Hosanna, everything seems so clear. It's going to be right. This is the moment. I've been looking forward to this my entire life. But then just a short time later, they're questioning everything. And they're questioning if they even believe that he is the Messiah. So much so that they give him over to die. And maybe some of those questions we ask ourselves too. I find myself asking those questions sometimes. God, are you here? Was that you? So today I want to tackle what we do in the questioning. What we do in the waiting, how do we wait well? And to tackle these questions, I want to look at the way that Jesus answered the crowd's waiting. So today I have three things to answer the crowd, or about the answer of the crowd's questioning and waiting. Does that sound good? Great. Number one is this. You ready? It was different. You guys know the uh, saying, when in Rome, do as... Okay, two of you do. That's great. Do as the Romans do. When we moved to Florida after the two years and we finally got to Florida, my wife and I looked around and we were like, well, we're in Rome. We made it. We have arrived. We need to learn how to be Floridian. So, and I quickly found out I either need to get a massive, obnoxiously loud, raised truck or or start watching Wheel of Fortune and Order Life Alert, which is exactly what I did. So, 
I'm not joking. I, I started, I watch Wheel of Fortune now. I do. It's actually my favorite show. And people don't know this about me because it's super embarrassing, but I feel very Floridian now. I watch Wheel of Fortune. And the thing I love about Wheel of Fortune is not that, is not that you can, they, people like win a lot of money. It's just a very quick, short show. It's like 15 minutes. One of the things that I love about it, it's like you can sit down, watch 15 minutes, leave it on in the background, start doing your stuff. And there's like people screaming when thousands, thousands of dollars. It's really fun. Anyway, I'm watching this show. And the thing that I really, really like about it though, is that when you can clearly see the answer, like you see the solve, but the person that's trying to solve it just can't. Or they see a completely different solve, right? And I love it because I was watching the other night and my man, AJ, he had 90% of, 90% of the things up there, right? And it was clearly, the, the solve was this, an on-the-spot decision. And it was clearly that. Like, it was almost all the way filled in. And AJ had been waiting to go. And you could tell everyone was expecting him to solve the puzzle. So AJ's up there, and he's going to solve the puzzle. And he goes, and on the spot, dice spin. And Pat literally is like, the host is like, what? He's like, no, that's that's not right. And I'm like, you're so stupid, AJ. No, but I, I think he's great. But obviously, it was wrong, right? He looked at the puzzle, and what he saw with all the information that he had was right in his mind. But it, the answer was actually something completely different. And I think about this crowd, and if all of the information that they had from the prophecies, from everything that they looked at from before, they saw it going one way. They saw the answer being, hey, he's going to come and be physical king, rule here in Jerusalem here. But Jesus was saying, hey, I'm going to be king. I am king, but it's going to look a little bit different. It's going to look a little bit different. And I think that they were looking at Jesus expecting one thing and expecting him to be king. But what the reality was is it was going to look different. And with all the information that they had up to this point, it looked like it was going to be that way. And so it was easy for them to get discouraged when it started to look different. But the reality was is Jesus was not wrong, right? Even though it was different, it wasn't wrong. In our lives so often, we need God to show up. We are praying for that one thing. A lot of us in this room probably have that one thing right now. And we are praying, I need it to go just like this. And so often, I find in my life that God answers things in a different way. And it becomes different. But the thing is, is how, what happens even if it is different, doesn't mean it's wrong, right? Even if it turns out differently, doesn't mean that it's wrong. But when it is, when it comes out differently, sometimes we start to think that he's not even moving in, at all. But the truth is how we feel about the situation doesn't dictate if God is working or not, right? What we expect about the situation doesn't dictate if God's working or not. How we look doesn't dictate if God is working or not. What others are saying about the situation that you're currently in doesn't dictate if God is working in that situation. Because plain and simple of this, God works. He works. He's constantly working. He never stops working. Look at this in John 5, in the Amplified Version. This is so good. It says in verse 17, but Jesus answered them, talking to the disciples, my father has been working until now. He has never ceased working. And I too am working. Two for one deal. Jesus is working. God is working. The Holy Spirit is working. They never stop working. 
But so often, I've been praying for something to happen, and, we, and it starts happening a different way, or it doesn't, we feel like it's not happening at all, and all of a sudden, we start questioning, like, God's not moving in my life. God's moving in your life. It just might look different than what you believe. I, I think about my lawn. I know, really classic lawn analogy. I thought I would never use a lawn analogy, and then I bought a house. My lawn, when I bought our house, was completely filled with weeds, just like to the max. And so I called Philip Worthington, the legend, and was like, bro, I need help. What do I do? He's like, I got you. Sent over a dude, and the guy comes over, and he's looking at my lawn. And I'm like, this lawn is trash. Like, it's, it's done. It's full of weeds. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's not. I'm like, what? Are we looking at the same lawn? Like, there's weeds everywhere. He's like, yeah, but you have runners in your grass. Like, and you have some grass there. And I'm like, so how do we get rid of the weeds? He's like, well, we're actually not going to get rid of the weeds. We're just going to water the grass. And I'm gonna, what's going to happen when we water the grass and we fertilize the grass is the grass is going to grow and it's going to choke out all the weeds. And so I was looking at my lawn saying, this is full of weeds, right? And he's saying, no, it's full of potential. And I think Jesus is looking at our lives. So often we look at our lives and we're like, it's full of weeds. God, you need to get rid of the weeds. And God's saying, no, I want to water the grass, right? This is full of potential. He's moving in your life right now. God is moving in your life. If you believe it or if you don't believe it, he's moving. Don't jump ship. Just hold on. Just hold on. What do we hold to, though? That's the thing. We say we hold to Jesus, and I love in Hebrews 10, it puts it this way. Let us hold fast, grip tightly, the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. You know, there wouldn't be any wavering unless it was going to get difficult. I think in this verse, he's saying, hey, man, it's going to get hard. It's going to get difficult at times. But hold on to hope, unwavering, because for he who promised is faithful. And if you don't have a promise of what that God has given you in your life right now, let me give you one. And John 14 says, I promise, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, I promise that I will never leave you helpless, or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. He will come back to you. He is in your life. He is working to your life. He has promised it. Hold fast. Hold fast to it, even when it gets difficult. Galatians 6, 9 says this, and he, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Water your grass. Cultivate the things of God in your life. He's working. Don't give up. Just hold on. So point one is this. It was different. Point two today. You ready? I love this one. It was better. It was better. You know, the crowd's biggest downfall was their expectation, their narrow expectation. Like I said before, their whole life they had grown up hearing about this moment and what they were experiencing, stories that had been passed down, prophecies that had been given from the great prophets. So when the crowd started to see Jesus do something different or something that they didn't expect, it meant that he wasn't actually who he said he was. Oh, this can't be the Messiah. But what they didn't realize is that Jesus wasn't there actually to fulfill their expectation. And Jesus isn't here today to fulfill your expectation. He's here to exceed it. Okay, that's what he did to them. And he wasn't saving them from the circumstances that they're in. He was saving their soul. 
He wasn't casting out the leaders from their high place. He was surpassing their leaders. He wasn't promoting their position. He was redeeming their position. He wasn't dictating their life. He was giving them life. He wasn't helping them out. He was giving them a way out. He wasn't judging their sin. He was paying for their sin. And it's the same thing for us here today. Let's make it personal. He's not here to fulfill your expectation. He's exceeding it. He's not here to save you from your circumstance. He's here to save your soul. He's not here to cast out the leaders that might be pushing down in your life. He's already surpassed them. He hasn't promote, he's not promoting your position. He is redeeming it. He is not dictating your life. He is giving you life. He is not helping you out. He is giving you the way out. He is not judging your sin. He has saved you from your sin. He is constantly working. And it was different than what the crowd expected, but the reality was and what they failed to see is that it was going to be better. It was better. It was better. And do you know what the most encouraging thing is about all of this today? It's still better. Today, it's continuing to get better. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the works in us. The Amplified Version puts it this way. This is so good. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. I never actually read that word before, but it's really cool. I want to start using that. It's one word, super abundantly. Do superly, super abundantly more than what we dare ask or think. Listen to this. Infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. Not just our prayers, hopes, and dreams. Our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams according to his purpose that is in work with us, in us. I can't tell you what God has for your life tomorrow, but what I can tell you is that God is for you. I can't tell you what God has for you, but I can tell you God is for you. It's going to be better. He's exceeding your life, and it might look different, but it will always be better. Always. And I don't know what situation you're in right now, where you find yourself. You might be in a Hosanna moment. Awesome. Or you might just be barely holding on. If I can just encourage you, just hold on. Just keep holding on just a little bit longer because he will come back. You know, when he was talking to the crowd right after they went into, Hos uh, they sang Hosanna on Palm Sunday and they, Jesus walked in on the donkey, he started to address the crowd and then he asked G or God to glorify his name. He says, God, glorify your name. And God actually speaks down in a loud voice to the crowd and says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it through you. And the crowd's like, what the heck? Like, was that thunder? What, what, what's going on, right? And Jesus says, he addresses the crowd and says, hey, that voice was my father, and it wasn't for me. It was for you. He did that so that you can believe, because I'm going to go. I'm going to be gone, and it's going to get dark, and it's going to be hard at times, but just hold on. Remember what is happening here today. Just hold on to it. Remember what he's done, this moment that he just gave you, and just hold on to that because I will come back, and it will be better. And I relate to that because I think that God in our lives gives us things that we can look back to and hold on to. So just hold on. I think it's so much easier to remember that God's with you in the moment when you remember where he was. And one of the best ways to move forward in your life is to actually just stop moving and turn around for a moment, right? Just stop moving for a second. Turn around and look at your life. 
be like, wow, okay, I see God. You were that situation was so hard, but you were there. This situation with my family was so hard, but you were there. This situation with that person at work was so difficult, but look at him now. Hold on to the things that God has brought you through. In the two years that I went through in my life, that I struggled, that were difficult, if I could go back and tell myself anything in those moments right now, I would look at myself and say, just hold on. It's going to get better. He loves you. If you could only imagine the church that you're going to be in. If you can only imagine the community that God is going to put you around, if you can only imagine the daughter that he's going to give you, just hold on. It's going to be good. And I think so often in the waiting, it's so hard for us to see that. And I think it's a little funny that we can look back on every single hard moment in our life and see God working in some way. But then what we're currently going through, it's like, where are you? Right? Just hold on. And I'm glad that my story didn't end at that two years, right, with the struggles, that I didn't throw that season in the trash, but I let God redeem it. Because when we moved here, when we actually ended up moving here to Charleston, or not to Charleston, from Charleston, to South, or not to South Carolina, wow, <laughs> I'm in Florida. When we finally moved, yeah, watching Wheel of Fortune, yeah. When we finally moved from South Carolina, Charleston, to Florida, St. Augustine, I remember walking into my apartment, right? We just got in this apartment that we were renting, and we walk in, and it's completely empty, which it should be because we're moving in. So it's like nothing in there, right? And I start walking around and opening up the doors and stuff, and I don't know what I'm trying to find because there's nothing in the house. But I'm doing it anyways, and I get to the last door, which is a closet in our kitchen. And I open up the door in the closet. And inside, on the left side, was an air conditioning unit. And on the right side, the only thing that was in the house were three strands of surgical tubing hanging. And I, I, like, I, I, lost, I lost it. Like, I was like, are you... Are you kidding me right now? And instantly I was reminded of these past two years. I was instantly reminded of that dream I had. And I grabbed it and I took it to Liz and was like, Liz, this is literally the only thing in the house. Like it was ridiculous. And it was like God saying, hey, just hold on. You, you held on. You're here and I'm going to continue working in your life. And he's working in your life here today. It got better. And I still struggle here today at times, but I believe it's going to get better might be different. It's going to get better. But finally, point number three today is this. It was grace. It was grace. I think one of the best examples in the Bible of grace is the story of Peter. And Peter was one of the disciples that followed Jesus around and that saw all the things that Jesus did. And he had these high highs. I mean, like, I'm talking like high highs. He was like on top of the world. And then he had these low lows, right? And I can relate to that. But he's the guy who walked on the water and then instantly started doubting and sunk. He was the guy who went and was prophesied to, to that the church was going to be built upon him to receive the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And literally in the next conversation, Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. 
like high highs, low lows. He's the dude who put himself in danger when Jesus was getting taken away to be killed. He pulls out a sword and tries to cut off the guy's ear or the, the guard's ear. And he's like putting himself in danger, attacking the authorities, right? He's like, I'll do anything for you, Jesus. And then just a few moments later, Jesus is hanging on a cross, dying for him. And he says, I don't even know the guy. Three times he denies him. High highs, low lows. But the thing about Peter is, is that there was grace for him. And there's grace for you. There's grace for me. I want to pick up in the last chapter of John. The very last story that's in John. I think it's so powerful that it's the last one. It's a story about Peter. This is after Jesus had died. And he had not yet sent his Holy Spirit. And just so for some context... There's a few times where Jesus actually showed himself before sending the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And this is one of those times. This is the third time. It says in John 21, starting in verse 4, Then then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore, but his disciples didn't realize that it was him. He called out to them saying, Hey guys, did you catch any fish? Not a thing, they replied. Jesus shouted to them, throw your net over the starboard side. I don't know if this is starboard. I'm just kind of guessing. Starboard side, and you'll catch some. And so they did, as he said, and they caught so many fish that they couldn't even pull in the net. Then the disciple, listen to this, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him, and because he was athletic, he dove right into the lake to go after Jesus. Could you imagine what Peter must have been feeling in that moment? After denying Jesus, seeing him die, he must have felt so guilty. And he said, I just want to be close to Jesus. As soon as he hears that it's Jesus, he dives into the lake and starts going as fast as he can towards him. And it says that he arrived on the shore and the rest of the disciples brought the boat and they had breakfast together. But then this happens after breakfast. It says, after they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated the question a second time. Simon, or, yeah, Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, Son of Jonah, do you have great affection for me? For a third time, and listen to what Peter, what happens to Peter. It says, Peter was saddened by being asked a third time. What Peter thought is what the Savior was doubting him. But Jesus had all the confidence in Peter. Jesus knew exactly who it was going to be. He wasn't doubting Peter's love. He was redeeming it. He was redeeming it in that moment. And it goes on and says, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus affirmed his love for Peter three times. And this story is actually called the reinstatement of Peter. And I think that this is the moment that Peter fully, truly understood grace. Received grace. And he's like, wow, he still loves me after what I did to him? He still loves me? There's grace for me? If there's grace for Peter, then there's grace for you. And I love that it gets better because this story gets better. You ready? Peter doesn't just ride off into the sunset with Jesus, right? No, he gets to work. 
So Jesus leaves and he tells them that the Holy Spirit's coming. He says, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And they say, okay. So Jesus leaves and they wait in Jerusalem to receive it. And in a short time later, the Holy Spirit, just as promised, comes down. And the disciples receive the Holy Spirit and they actually start speaking out in different languages loudly. And all of the Jewish people that were around were hearing them speak in their own native language. And it was an absolute miracle that was happening. And so all the people that were around were like, what is happening? How is this happening? There's no way this could ever happen. So they get intrigued and a crowd starts to form in Jerusalem around Peter. And Peter starts to share this new revelation of grace. With his new revelation of grace, he starts to share about how Jesus died and how he loves them and how he wants relationship with him. And he tells them about the answer. In Acts 2, I want to read it for you. In the ESV, it says this, starting in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's important. He's speaking to the crowd in Jerusalem. This is the same crowd that turned on Jesus, that crucified Jesus, that was at at the place yelling, Hosanna, saying, God, be with us, save us now, that it didn't turn out like they thought, so they turned on him and they handed him over to the authorities and said, crucify him. The same crowd that while Jesus hung on a cross, spit at him and mocked him. And now they're here in front of Peter, who just received grace. Peter would have been so mad at these people. And he stands up and he says, no, this is for you. Listen to it. It goes on and it says, now when they heard this, the crowd, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Wow and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you. The people that crucify Jesus, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. The very people that killed Jesus, the very people that mocked Jesus, the very people that turned their back on Jesus were the first people to start the church. They became literally the first believers And we are here today because of their belief, because of the grace that Peter and Jesus showed them. You see, if there's grace for that crowd, there's grace for you. If there's grace for Peter, there's grace for you. To put it this way, the church was built on a bunch of sinners, mockers, murderers, killers, but there was grace for him, for them. It didn't end with their mistakes because there was grace, like I said, and the answer, of gr- the answer is grace, and Jesus is that grace. You see, grace extends even when we don't ask for it. Even when we don't think it's there, even when we don't believe it, grace is still there. And if there's grace for you, then there's grace for me, and no matter what I do, no matter what situation I've found myself in, no matter what situation you found yourself in, no matter what mistakes you've made in your life, there's grace for you. So much grace. In Romans 5, It says this, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In other words, where you've made mistakes, grace increased all the more. Where you've messed up with family stuff, grace increased all the more. 
or you've messed up in uh, like financially or whatever it might be or yelling at someone or I don't know, whatever, insert your sin here. Grace extends all the more. There is grace for you. And the cool thing about grace is it's contagious. Once you experience it, you can't help but share it. Think about Peter. Didn't think he deserved it. He experienced it. Next thing he's doing is standing up in front of the crowd, extending grace. So we have an opportunity here, church. As we experience the grace from Jesus, we get to extend that grace too to the people around us. I just think about Good Friday, about the multitude of people who are gonna come in that have no idea about grace. And what are we gonna do? Show them grace. Extend out grace, show them Jesus. Tell them that no matter what they've done, where they've been, who they are, just hold on. Because it's gonna get better because there's grace. It is better, it's different, and there's grace. Do you receive that word, church? Let's stand. I wanna pray for us. You know, as I was preparing this message and thinking about Jesus' grace and the situations that might be in this room, the word perseverance came to my mind. And so I want to pray for two things. The first thing is I want to pray for perseverance, those in this room that are going through it right now, that are up against a hard wall, that don't feel like they can keep going, don't feel like they can keep taking another step, and you need that holy perseverance. I want to pray for that today. And then the second thing I want to pray for is that the Holy Spirit would come and fill people here today that need change. If you need change in your life, if there's something going on, you're like, look, this is beyond me. I need, I need to get out of this situation. I need change. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to fill people here today to change those situations. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give people privacy in this moment. I believe that when you outwardly express by something simple like raising your hand or raising your hands, something shifts outwardly express what's going on the inside. So I just want to ask you, if that's you, if you need perseverance or you need something to change in your life right now, would you just raise your hands? Hands going up everywhere. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that just keeps getting better. that there is perseverance for us, Lord, from you. God, Holy Spirit, right now, we pray that you would come down and fill people that need a touch from heaven, God, that need situations that just desperately need to change. Lord, we recognize it, it might be different, Lord, but it will always be better. Holy Spirit, please just come right now. Change situations, Lord, change hearts, change families. Lord, and with that change, we also breathe perseverance out, God. We pray that you would just encourage people, Lord. Give them the legs of longevity to be able to run the race long and hard, Jesus, to be able to unswervingly hold to hope. Jesus, we believe that you are with us, God, and that this will be good and this will be better. And we love you and we thank you for your grace right now, Jesus. And we ask that you would just come, change, and bring perseverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Who's 
Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.